does anybody remember the movie Rocket Man? Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Movie Rocket Man. Yeah, there's his. He's thirty something years old, and his mother's trying to pack him a lunch, and he's going to outer space. And uh, she says, "Do you want the rocket ship cookie or the star cookie?" And he goes, "Mom, I'm thirty two years old. I'm almost a full grown man." (laughs) Well, I'm going to be thirty two next week, and so I'm almost a full grown man. I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. You know, one of the things that I took away from our Foursquare conference was. you know, the room was full of really tired pastors, <laughs> and so really tired leaders uh, from all over our district. We were, Washington is joined with Oregon, but we also share a district with Montana and North Dakota, and I think one other state, I'm not sure which one it is, um, but it was full of really tired pastors, and it was an opportunity to just really pour in to the leaders. And uh, one thing, one message that really spoke to me that I wanted to share with you is uh, one of the speakers talked about how when Joshua was at the wall of Jericho and the angel of the messenger of the Lord appeared to him and, and he was terrified. And Joshua said, whose team are you on? Are you on the enemy's side or are you on our side? And you know what the angel of the Lord said? No, I'm on my side. Are you on my side? Are you with me? It's not about are you on that side or are you on that side. It's are you on my side. And so I think that the Lord is, is he's joining his church to, to fully identify with the kingdom of God and with Jesus as our ultimate authority and as our ultimate leader. We've been a divided nation, haven't we? We've been in a, a divided community, but I think the Lord wants to establish himself once again on the throne of every person of every person's heart who, who, go, who, who, who considers him the Lord and Savior of their life and to follow him. And so I was very, very encouraged by that message. And I believe that God's doing a new thing. I think that revival is coming, church. I, I'm not just saying that. I believe it. I think that in any time of testing or any time of, uh, of trial that the church has gone through, it's always emerged stronger. Whenever our society is going downhill, whenever it looks like there's no hope, that's where the light of Jesus shines the brightest. Amen. And so I'm encouraged. Uh, we are in a series called The Storyteller. It's our second week. And... Um, We're talking about the parables of Jesus and why Jesus used stories when he preached about the kingdom of heaven. You know, my son, he's five years old, and every night when I put him to bed, he wants me to tell him a story. And he doesn't want me to read him a book. He wants me to tell him a story. And church, I've run out of stories. I've been doing this for two years now. Since he was three, he's been having me do this every single night. Mom will go to put him to bed, and he goes, no, no, I want dad to put me to bed because he's going to tell me a story. And so I lay in bed, and you know, I started with Bible stories, and I went through all the, I, I literally recited from memory all the Bible stories that I could think about. And then when I ran out of the Bible stories, I went, you know what, I'm going to tell them Star Wars stories. So I went, I started talking about the Star Wars movies, and when I ran out of Star Wars stories, we moved to Lord of the Rings and, and to Marvel movies, and I'm, I'm running out of stories, church. I need more stories, but, but he loves stories because it forms this connection with him and I. And we, we celebrate in these, these times together at night when we lay in bed together and I'm telling him these stories. It, it makes this connection between him and I. Well, Jesus, he understood the power of storytelling. He knew that telling a story was, was reaching past just mere intellect, but was capturing hearts and showing people the kingdom of God in a way that was different than they'd ever looked at it before. And we see Jesus all throughout his life. He would do this. He would tell them, hey, this is what your culture is like. Right on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew Matthew chapter five through seven, he said he would say stuff like, "You have heard it said, 
But I tell you this. In other words, this is what the world says, and this is what you experience in your culture, but the kingdom of heaven is like this. Let me tell you what, what I say. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven, what the culture of heaven is like. And so we talked about last week how Jesus told stories to reveal what the culture of heaven is like or the kingdom of heaven is like. He, he told stories to tell people what the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 as Jesus tells a story about a farmer who sowed, who's sowing seeds among four types of soil. So this, he tells a story about a farmer who is scattering seed all over the ground and some seed lands on the path, some seed lands on stony or rocky ground, some seed lands in the midst of weeds and thorns, and some seeds land on good soil. And so notice, first of all, when, when Jesus is telling this story, you know, my father, he owns a, he owns an aerating, a lawn aerating business, and sometimes he does dethatching and he has to reseed lawns and stuff. And, and when my dad is out, you know, seeding lawns, what he does is he takes his spreader and he just, he goes to the middle of the lawn and he casts it everywhere, right? And he's just throwing seeds. But when he gets close to the fowl, the flower beds and he doesn't want to get grass into the flower beds, he'll, he'll take a handful of seeds and he'll carefully make sure that none of the seed gets into the flower bed. He wants to keep it all in the grass. Well, guess what? The kingdom of heaven doesn't do that. This sower is literally taking seeds and he's throwing it everywhere. Meaning that we have a sower, Jesus, who is spreading the message of his kingdom and he's not indiscriminate about where the seed lands. He gives every type of soil an opportunity to hear the message of the kingdom. So he scatters it everywhere and he lets the seed do its work. He lets the seed take root where it can. The culture of heaven gives everyone an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. And then this is when the disciples ask, why do you, why do you t- talk in parables? Why do you tell people stories? And Jesus tells them in Matthew 13, I, I tell people stories to conceal truth or reserve truth for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. There were lots of listeners Listening to Jesus' stories, there were people that were out to get him. There were Pharisees and scribes and people that didn't like Jesus. And Jesus, instead of making everything plain and simple and dumbing it down for everybody to hear, no, he used stories to conceal truth and reserve it for those with open hearts and ears to hear and eyes to see the message about the kingdom of God. That's why he told stories. Then he graciously explains to his disciples... The parable of the sower and the four soils. We're going to read from Matthew 13, 18 to 23. I'm I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. 
there's two things I want to point out first before we we talk about the soils. The, the first one is this. Notice that the seed always works. No matter where it landed. Now, it didn't get a chance to take root on the path, but anywhere that the seed takes root, it works. See, the message of the kingdom of God is never the issue. The message of Jesus is never the issue. It will always grow wherever it takes root. You know, the problem is not whether or not we have to water down or dilute the message of, of God's kingdom. I think some people avoid talking about the wages of sin. They avoid talking about the hard things of the gospel because they don't want to turn people away from God. They don't want to offend anybody. You don't have to dilute, dilute the message of the kingdom. You don't have to water it down. It will always do its work wherever it takes root. I love this one. I love when people say, you know, I've been showing my neighbor love for the past 20 years, just waiting for them to come around. Oh, really? Have you ever talked to them about Jesus or invited them to church? Oh, no, pastor. You know, because, you know, we preach the kingdom and if necessary, we use words. (laughs) No, that's called being a chicken because you're afraid of ruining your reputation with your neighbor. We sow the seeds. You know, Jesus isn't the only one. You know, Jesus is the sower, the original sower in this parable. But anybody who shares the message of the kingdom of God is sowing seeds. They become the sower. The seed is the message of Jesus. And we don't have to water it down. We don't have to worry about people being offended by it. Because guess what? That's the point sometimes. Some people need to be rocked a little bit. Some people who are ready to receive and they're good soil. They'll hear the message of the kingdom. The seed will get planted and it will produce a, a harvest. Others, they need to be challenged. And so the word of God is presented, is presented to them and they have a choice. Do I follow the ways of scripture? Do I follow the ways of Jesus and believe that what he's telling me is true? Or am I going to reject it and continue living my own life? We present them with an opportunity. Every time the seed is sown, we, put, we present people with an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. So the gospel isn't the issue. It will always work, and we can't cause it to grow. Like we talked about in worship, that Jesus didn't tell Peter, go build my church. He said, I will build my church. I will cause it to grow, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. Jesus said that he'll be in charge of the growth of the church and in the hearts of people. What a relief to know that I'm not in charge of anybody else's spiritual growth. You're not in charge of anybody else's spiritual growth. You can't, that is a work of God. That is the work of the message of the kingdom of God. It takes root and it does what it does. It challenges, it grows, it brings a harvest. Those seeds always work. The second thing that we see is that the soil always matters. The soil always matters. None of the first three soils that, that didn't bear fruit, none of those th- first three soils represent detestable sinners. They are normal people. They represent normal hearts, normal people that we see every single day. And I would argue that each of our hearts have been all of these soils at different seasons of life. But the more we work the soil... And give it what it needs. The more the truth of God can produce fruit in our lives. So we can't cause the seed to grow. But we can work the soil. Jesus isn't saying that there's no hope for the first three soils. I think what he's saying is this. Good soil is worked soil. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Good soil is worked soil. 
Good soil is work soil. Let's talk about the first four types of soils that Jesus mentions. And if each soil represents a condition of someone's heart, then how does that soil need to be worked in order to bear fruit? What does that soil need in order to bear fruit to receive the message of the kingdom? So the first soil that Jesus mentions is the seed that fell along the path. When Jesus refers to a path, he's not talking about a concrete pavement that we walk on down the street here where there's absolutely no hope of a seed taking root on concrete. No, what Jesus is referring to uh, is a dirt path that was in the first century. It's compacted dirt. It's hardened dirt. And this soil represents hard hearts that hear the word, but they don't understand it, is what Jesus said. Did you know that understanding in the Bible refers to a type of, Uh, of knowledge that includes personal experience. It's a personal encounter. When the Bible refers to understanding, that when they hear the word and they understand it, he means these people have a personal encounter with the message of Jesus. They have a personal encounter with the kingdom of God. We see this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Paul uh, writes to the Ephesian church, and this is the amplified version. He says this, I pray... That you may come to know, that word know is practically through personal experience, the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge, which is without experience. That you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God. See, understanding the kingdom of God means that you have a personal experience. How many of you know that there's a difference between knowing about God and having an encounter with God? Right? understanding means that you've had an encounter with the kingdom of God. You've had an encounter with Jesus. The seed didn't take root because the person had never had a personal experience with God. The evil one came and snatched away the seed that was sowed there before it had a chance to take root. Each of us can think of someone in our life whose heart has been hardened to the message of Jesus and his salvation. Remember what we said, good soil is what? Worked soil, right? I mean, come on, do better. Good soil is what? Worked soil. And good soil needs prayer. That's number one. Good soil needs prayer. Hard hearts need prayer in order for the soil to be turned so the message of God can take root. Softening someone's heart is an act of God. Only God can do that. And it often requires a lot of work, doesn't it? Think of how you would turn a hardened dirt path into soft soil that can produce fruit. What would you do? You'd go get the hoe, you'd go get the shovel, you'd get the plow, and you would start turning the soil. You would start digging into the dirt. It's an exhausting process that God performs, but but for the seed to take root, he needs a soft heart. He needs soft soil for that seed to be planted. I think of all the people in my life who turned to God when they had no other hope. They, they went to jail. They, they were lost in addiction, or maybe their spouse left them. Did God cause any of those things? Absolutely not. God didn't cause any of those things. But when they were at their lowest point, God allowed, or they allowed God to start turning ground in their life. When they were at their lowest point, they finally said, you know what? The pain, the pain of moving forward on my current trajectory is greater than the pain of God doing a work in my life. 
It's unfortunate that some people need to get to that, that place in their life, but, but sometimes that's how God moves in our life, is that when a person encounters pain and they're rejecting the message of God and they're rejecting God, oftentimes it's when the pain of continuing on their current path is greater than the pain of God coming and turning the soil and starting to change things. Church, we're not supposed to wait that long. We're not supposed to wait till we have nothing left, but, but we pray for those. We pray for those people who are in the midst of suffering and they're in the midst of loss, waiting to begin the hard work of turning soil and softening hearts. Everyone experiences pain and consequences of life without God. Every one of us has at some point experienced the pain and the consequences of a life without God. But we pray for the people in our lives who are rejecting the message of Jesus. Pray that God would use the trouble and suffering that they experience to find hope in Jesus. I think that God never causes pain and suffering in our life. I don't believe, I don't believe that, but God redeems pain and suffering in our life. Suffering and pain, it's all a result of sin. We are in a broken world. I believe that sin and suffering is the result of, of a living in a fallen world. We have an enemy who's seeking to destroy us, but God uses our pain. He uses our suffering, the things in our life, and he redeems those things so that he, be, he can begin a turning of the soil in our lives. And he can begin to soften our hearts. It never feels good. It's never a fun process. But it's a necessary process because God needs soft hearts. He needs willing hearts to receive the message of Jesus. So good soil needs prayer. The second soil that Jesus talks about was the seed that fell on the stony ground. He says, at first the seed takes root and they receive it with joy but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing god's word did you catch that they have problems and are persecuted because of god's word there's a lot of things in god's word that will bring you problems think about jesus talked about money compared to the way that the world tells us to think about money. Jesus talked about money to be, to be generous with it, right? And to offer it freely. In the world, they say, they have this message of greed, that you need to get more, get more, and it's all, look out for number one, right? Think about how Jesus talked about marriage and sexuality compared to what the world says about marriage and sexuality. Think about what Jesus said about unconditional love and how our world loves a good revenge story. One of my favorite movies is Gladiator. It's a, it's a revenge story. And I love that about it. But I think there's something, there's something wrong in here, right? Jesus, he talks about unconditional love, but the world, we like a good revenge story. What about our culture's value for independence versus what the Bible says about community and submitting to one another? The word of God will bring you trouble. It will bring you problems. The rocky ground represents people who receive Jesus on Sunday mornings. They might even get baptized. But they're sent into the world without community and without accountability. They're never discipled. They never enter into a process of spiritual growth. And the root never goes any further than Sunday morning and listening to the pastor. 
Good soil is work soil, and good soil needs community. It needs discipleship, a discipling process, a process of spiritual growth where we continue forward in learning to become more and more like Jesus. Good soil needs community. Why would God allow persecution and problems to come when we're obedient to the word? It can almost seem cruel, doesn't it? God allows the enemy to attack us so that he can be defeated, church. God is powerful enough to get rid, get rid of every demonic influence with one squish of his thumb, but he has chosen. Did anybody ever stop to think about that? Let's just back up. Do you understand that God is powerful enough to get rid of all demonic influence, to, to squash the power of the devil at any moment? Completely. He has that authority. He has that power. But he has chosen his people to do it for him. Come on, church. Somebody say amen. amen. He has chosen to use the people who voluntarily choose to love God to defeat the devil. He brings the enemy to us because when we're obedient to the word, we are being equipped to win. When we submit ourselves to a process of spiritual growth within the family of God, we are working the soil to withstand problems and persecution. When you are in a community, when you are in a family of God, and when you are submitted to a process of spiritual growth, we call this discipleship in the church, but when you are submitted to a process of spiritual growth, you are being equipped to withstand the enemy and problems and persecution when they come, because God's word says that they will come, not if they come, they will come, because the world and Jesus, they look completely different. And if we have a people who are modeling themselves after the person of Jesus, the world is going to fire back. And the world is going to say, why don't you look more like this? You're, you're causing us to recognize our insufficiencies. You're causing us to, to recognize the hurt and the pain, and we don't want to deal with it. So just, just move over to our camp. Good soil needs community, a process of spiritual growth. The third soil that Jesus talks about is the seed that fell into the weeds or fell into the thorns. And you know, for this type of soil, he provides additional information. The very next parable that he tells after the parable of the sower is this one in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. And then he slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. And the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Well, should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. This is why I hate weeding so much, church. Because weeds are from the devil! I need to, my, my wife, you know, we both hate weeding, and, and, and when, it time, when it comes time to, to weed the yard, we get out the roundup. Because I don't want to be on my hands and knees pulling weeds. We get out the roundup and we, we burn everything. We wait till it's brown and then we pull it up. In the hearts of people, 
He sows, the enemy sows the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Jesus said that the, the seed was, was sown among the weeds, but they didn't have a chance to produce fruit because the worries of this life and the lure of wealth choked out the seed. So no fruit was produced. It got so close though. It grew up, right? It produced foliage, but it didn't have any fruit. The word falls among the thorns and actually grows alongside the weeds. And you know, here's a picture of what Jesus is talking about. Let's, I've got a picture of wheat. Farmers out there, can you tell me which one is the wheat and which one is the weed? Which one's the wheat? The one on the right. It's, it's, this is wheat and this one is the weeds. Can you tell how some people might be confused when they look at these two? That they look so similar. They look so close to one another. The enemy is crafty and he sows things in our heart that seem harmless. They may even seem noble at times. Because the, the, people, the, the people who have hearts who, whose soil is like that of, of, the, of, the, of the weeds, they're not terrible people. They're not detestable sinners. They're, they're people just like you and I. They're people that our culture might actually consider to be noble. Think of the father who works 60 plus hours a week because he wants to give his family a good life. We consider that noble. What a good man. He's taking on extra hours. He's working extra hard because he cares for his family. Think of the single mother who's got multiple jobs and she's picking up her kids from daycare and she has hardly enough time to spend quality time with her kids because she's just, she's just trying to stay afloat. These aren't terrible people. These are, these are people that we consider noble, that we, we have a heart for. But the cares of this world, the worries of life and the lure of wealth are causing that seed to be choked. If you drive by my house, you're going to see a green lawn. Well, parts of it are green. You may, some of you might even envy my lawn. If you drive to my house and you're used to seeing brown grass, yellow grass when you walk outside your door, you might envy my lawn when you came to my house because it's green. But if you look closely, you can see that my lawn has a lot of weeds. It's got a lot of crabgrass. It's got a lot of dandelions in there. And I've been ignoring those weeds because they're green. (laughs) I just mow the weeds with the rest of the grass because, hey, at least they're still green. But here's the truth, church, is that the greenest lawn isn't necessarily the healthiest lawn. Don't confuse producing foliage with producing fruit. In your life, don't confuse activity for God with producing the fruits of the Spirit. We get so close, though. Our lives, they look pretty good, right? People may look at your life and say, wow, they're doing pretty good, right? Yeah, they're working hard that the person's a workaholic. Yeah, you know, but they're doing it for their family. You know what? Yeah, you know, we, we make excuses. And it's not terrible. Those things aren't terrible in and of themselves. But when they choke the message of God, when they take time away from God and the worries of life and the lure of wealth, it chokes the seed. The enemy is crafty. Because we live in a world that celebrates workaholics when the word says to rest a day each week. That person's working really hard. Good for them. Yeah, I never see them on Saturdays and Sundays, but they are 
They are, make, they are building an empire for themselves. They are living the American dream. Go you. We celebrate workaholics. We celebrate people who leave their families multiple days a week to feed the homeless. I'm not saying that feeding the homeless is bad. I'm saying that people, they, they misalign their priorities. They leave their wife and their kids multiple days a week because they consider what they're doing to be noble, forgetting that the first ministry that they're called to is that of their marriage and their children. The enemy's crafty because he sows things in our hearts that seem to us harmless, that seem to us even noble. This is a good thing that I am doing. But is it choking the seed? Is your life producing love? and joy, and peace? Do you have patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness? Do you have gentleness, and self-control? What keeps you from walking out the word of God, and trusting in its promises? What keeps you from doing that? The Bible makes it clear that anything that replaces intimacy with God becomes an idol in our life. Sometimes we have idols in our life that we don't know are idols. We think they're good things. It's how crafty the enemy is. But we need to constantly reevaluate. Okay, is my life producing the fruits of the Spirit? Is the message of Jesus being seen in my life? Do people see Jesus in me? Or do they see a really busy, devout churchgoer? So what do we do? Good soil is work soil. So I think good soil remains vigilant. Good soil has to remain vigilant of the weeds that the enemy sows in our life. And finally, let's talk about this last soil. Jesus said in verse 23, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand. They've had a personal encounter with Jesus. They understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much that had been planted. Farmers in the room, aren't you amazed? I think I was talking to one of you a few weeks ago during the harvest that we just had. Aren't you amazed every year that those tiny seeds turn into an, an entire harvest? They turn into an entire crop. I know that the crop this year was a little bit less than in previous years. But those tiny seeds turn into an entire harvest. When the truth of heaven's culture takes root in soft, worked soil, and you personally experience the goodness of Jesus, the harvest is exponentially more than you could ever anticipate. So the last thing about soils good soil is good soil is work soil and good soil sees a harvest good soil will see a harvest i find it so encouraging you know oftentimes i i doubt if you're like me you know maybe maybe you've been following jesus for a long time and sometimes we we think am i doing enough god you know if is my life is is my life what you would want? Am I really? Has anybody ever asked the question? Am I really? When I die, am I really going to go to heaven? Or is there something that I'm missing? We can put our faith in the fact that the message of Jesus is enough for us; that it will grow because God is the one that causes it to grow. 
Our job is to tend the soil, to make sure that it's soft, to make sure that it's worked. And if we tend the soil, God will do his work. We can put our faith in the grace and the salvation of Jesus. And that frees you from living a life of I have to do, I have to do, I have to do in order to please God. Instead, we can live a life that says, I'm going to be what God has called me to be and I'm not going to worry about the doing because Jesus did that work for me already. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to get my life in order in order for God to love me. Jesus did that work on the cross. That's the message of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about. The message of Jesus is that Jesus died for you. He saved you. And those of us who repented of our sins said yes to Jesus, you are now on God's team. You are in his family and your faith can be placed in the work of God. It doesn't have to be placed in your strivings and in what you do any longer. Our faith is in the work of Jesus Christ. That is the message that is sown in my heart. That is the message that will bear fruit in my life. When I was 6 to 10 years old, our family used to live in northeast Tacoma. And we had a bunch of fruit trees in the backyard. And my favorite tree, we had this peach tree in the backyard. And it was so fruitful every year that we had to grab this big old pole and and tuck it under the tree because the trunk of the peach tree was literally bending every year the trunk of the tree was about to snap because it was so loaded with peaches they were the most delicious peaches that i've ever had those were the best peaches and it gave our family lots of fruit great memories and i want to produce fruit in my life that other people enjoy and are attracted to so they can experience fruit in their life I want people to see a harvest. I want people to see fruit, not just foliage, not just activity for God, fruit in my life. I want them to witness the the fruits of the Holy Spirit in my life, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life. I I, I want them to, to feel loved. I want them to feel unconditional love from me and my family. I want to produce fruit in my life. But in order to do that, I need to tend to the soil. I need to make sure that my heart is continually soft, that it doesn't get hard, that I don't reject God's word in areas of my life, that I don't pick and choose from God's word what I think is good and what I think is, you know, I'm just not going to apply that to my life because it's too convicting in this season. If we're really honest with ourselves, we need to work that soil. I want to stay in community, realizing that in order for this root to, to, to go deep, in order for me to... to to, to not fall away when problems or persecution comes, I need to surround myself with the family of God and I need to submit myself to a process of spiritual growth, understanding that I'm not there yet. I'm never going to be there yet. I'm constantly growing more and more to look like Jesus. So we submit ourselves to a process. That's what our grow class and our, and our connect classes is, is kind of a starting point for that process. For those of you who might, be, who, who might be new to the faith, grow class is the place where I just explained briefly, like these are the basics of beginning a journey of spiritual growth. This is what the foundations of our faith looks like. This is what it means to be connected to a family of God. So I'd encourage you, if you're new to our church or you're new to the faith, come to our grow class, come to our connect class next week. Shameless plug right there for our classes. 
I need to stay in community. I need to submit myself to a process of spiritual growth. And I also need to remain vigilant. Because we have an enemy who, he's, the only weapon that he has are lies and deceit. That is his weapon. That is the weapon he uses. Fear, fear is a lie. Fear is believing that something is more powerful than it actually is. Fear is putting faith in the wrong thing. Greed is a lie. Telling you that you need more. You, that God's not going to provide for you. That if you're generous, you're going to actually lose. You're going to miss out. Everything is a lie that the enemy sows into your hearts. So we remain vigilant to what the truth of God's word is. Because all the enemy has are lies and deceit. And he whispers things in our ear that, that don't sound like, they don't often sound like some red devil with horns and a pitchfork. Right? Like, go kill this person or go shoot this person across the street. No, the lies that he whispers in our ears, they don't ever sound like that, do they? They sound something like, you know, you've, you got married when you were so young. You were only 19, 20 years old when you got married and you didn't really know your wife. Now that you're older, you've been married, you know, 10 years. I think that if you knew then what you know now, you would have picked a different woman. You probably would have been a little bit more happy. Don't, isn't that what you want? Don't you want your wife to be more happy don't you want to be more happy and we begin to think you know i do want to be more i do want her to be more happy and there there has been some problems that have been arising and he he just he creeps his way into the thoughts of our minds and he makes that voice sound like it's our voice like it's the voices of people in our lives that's what he has church So we remain vigilant to those things. We hold fast to the word of God, what the truth of God's word says, so that those weeds aren't sown into our hearts. Good soil is work soil. Would you stand with me, church? Let's pray for soft soil in our hearts. And let's pray for people in our lives. I want you just right now to think of one or two people in your life who, who maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend who you've been praying for for years and years and years and they have a hard heart towards the message of Jesus. I want, I want us to pray this morning for those people. Just put, the, put their, their names in your mind right now. Jesus, we lift up our family, our friends, our acquaintances, our coworkers. God, we lift up these people to you. And Father, we know that it is a work of God's grace that begins to soften the soil. Lord, take our friends and our family to whatever lengths necessary to begin to soften the soil. God, if that means, and we don't want this to happen to them, God, it grieves our heart, but if it means that they hit rock bottom, if it means that they have nowhere else to turn but you, Jesus, just do that work. Begin to do that work. Help us be people who are alongside of them faithfully through the whole process. Who never leave them, who, are, who, who don't abandon them, but who are there as support and, and to show unconditional love. Jesus, begin to soften the soil. Begin to turn the ground. God, I, I, I pray for that person in my mind right now. Father, would you have an encounter with this person, Jesus? Would you go right now, Holy Spirit, and, and speak truth to this person's mind. Send people in their life that love and care for them, that love you, Jesus, and who are going to speak truth, 
louder than all of the enemy's lies. God, we offer these people to you because we love them. Teach us to love them better. Teach us how to find opportunities where we can share the truth of your kingdom with them. God, we pray that the soil would begin to turn, that that the hardened ground would become soft so the enemy does not snatch away the truth, that the the words of the world, the the, the words or the things of of, of sin that would come and say, no, that's not true, that's not God, just like the, the serpent did to Eve at the very beginning. God, I pray that the truth is planted before the enemy has a chance to snatch it away. Lord, do a work in their life. Put your hand on your heart. Let's pray for our hearts. Jesus, show me where my soil needs to be worked. Show me where my heart needs to be worked. If I need to begin to identify weeds in my life that need to be pulled, show me how to do that, Father. Show me where those weeds are in my life. If I need stones that need to be pulled out, if I need to submit myself to a community, a process of spiritual growth, God, show me how to do that. Lord, soften the soil of my heart. We say no to pride. We say no to unforgiveness. No to bitterness. We say no to worry and anxiety. We trust that you are our provider, God. That you know the deepest desires of our hearts. Begin to soften the soil of our hearts in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. And the church said, Amen. Amen.